I realised I couldn't actually walk, arm not working, leg not working. I was 32 years of age, I had a headache, a stroke didn't even cross my mind. The doctors came in and I thought, oh, they're going to tell me there's nothing wrong with you, it's a headache. I remember him just saying the words, we think you've had a stroke. I've no more checkups. I've finished with Dr Lynch from the stroke perspective and I want to get back to work. Hi there, I'm Jerry Stevens. In 2017, I suffered a bleed on my brain, causing a stroke and has changed my life ever since. I thought it would be a good idea to speak to some stroke survivors and share their journey. Even if you haven't been affected by stroke, these are compelling, positive life stories from stroke survivors. They're doctors, physiotherapists and cognitive experts that I've met as part of my ongoing recovery. They have some amazing stories to share and advice to give. And over the coming weeks on RTE Radio 1 Extra, we'll explore them with you. My guest today on the Strokecast is fellow stroke survivor, Grania McCann. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Grania. Um, you're a young married woman, and to be honest with you, as I'm looking at you here, you're not somebody I thought I would be talking to about having a stroke. No, either did I. It was a massive, massive shock. I can well imagine. Uh, what was a typical week like for you before your stroke? Busy. Um, I had two young boys, four and two. I was working full time, well, four days a week, but busy days. Um, I'm a fund accountant and I was away from half eight in the morning to late in the evening, sometimes logging back on in the evening to finish up. But just a normal life of a family. And what happened the day of your stroke? What went on? I had been um, complaining of a headache for about three weeks um, prior to the the night of the 11th of March. Um, I also had a sore, a very bad pain in my neck, but I wasn't putting the two of them together. I was taking painkillers for the headache and I was kind of talking about this sore neck, but not putting two and two together. And how long was this going on for? I'd say about three weeks. I had gone to my GP. We looked at maybe sinus headaches, computer, too much looking at the computer, the normal headache scenarios and then on the 11th of March I woke up it was a Friday I woke up for work I had a extremely bloodshot right eye um, and just wasn't feeling 100% but went to work as normal did my day's work came home that evening um, my husband was actually going to a Dundalk game and he said before he left are you sure you're okay for me to go and I said absolutely I'm going to put the boys to bed and go to bed myself I put the younger boy into the cot and was getting the four-year-old ready to bed, sitting on the edge of his bed. And next thing, the room just started to spin. And I couldn't see Adam. I couldn't focus. I felt extremely ill. My body went very, very hot and I didn't know what was happening. How do you, the use of your arms and legs, did you I, lose any sensation? I had no use of my left arm, but at the time I actually didn't realise. I was trying to get my cardigan off me because I felt extremely hot, but I didn't realise my arm wouldn't work. And I got my little boy to help me to go off my cardigan and go and get me some water. It was, it was like vertigo. I've never had vertigo, but that's what I reckon because literally the room was spinning and spinning and spinning and I knew I was going to be physically sick. And I was in the room with a four-year-old panicking. So I kind of thought, was it just a panic attack of some description? I really didn't know. So luckily enough, I had my phone with me because I was on my way to bed myself. And... Um, I phoned my next door neighbour because she has a key. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get down the stairs because I couldn't get off the bed. 
but I didn't really realise it was because my leg wasn't working. I just was so dizzy, I couldn't move. So I phoned Elaine and she came straight in and I had been sick at this stage and I was upset and I wanted Adam out of the space because I didn't want him seeing me. So she got Adam into my bed and settled me down. And at this stage, I had come round. And but my head, I had the most horrendous headache that I've ever had. But I the type of person I was like, right, I need to get up. I need to get to bed. I need to clean up. So she rang my husband and said there's something wrong with Gronje you need to come home so he came straight home and somewhere in the way I I wanted her to move me into my own bed so she tried to move me into my own bed and it was only when she went to lift me to walk I realised I couldn't actually walk but still didn't say anything about arm not working leg not working it's a stroke I was 32 years of age I had a headache and a sore neck it wasn't stroke was we didn't even cross my mind. So your husband gets home. I'm sure he's very concerned, very worried for you. And what, what does he have to say? Um, I said, ring my mum, <laughs> as, as some people do when they're not well. So my mum came out on the scene. She tried ringing the doctor on call. The doctor said that if I couldn't go to him, the only thing that to do was to call an ambulance. At this stage, I'd had a second episode the room started to spin again. I went to try and get off the bed, just to go to the ensuite. It was a foot away and I couldn't make it. I couldn't hold myself up and I was extremely sick. So my husband literally had to hold me up because I, but I still didn't realise. And now when I got, I got back into bed and my mum was there at this stage and, you know, we were talking, maybe it was vertigo, maybe it was just a, a migraine. If I went to sleep and I remember saying to Mammy and I think I gave her a fright, I said, no, I'm I'm actually afraid if I go to sleep. I just there was something in my head that was saying the pain alone, but I was scared and I'm not a bad patient as a rule. So I knew it was something serious. At any stage, did the sensation come back in your in your left side? Yes, I had. Yeah. But I was extremely dizzy. But I, I was able to when the ambulance came and when my husband was on the phone, the the person on the phone did actually ask, could I raise my two arms? Could I say the early worm catches the, or the whatever that saying is. Early bird, early catches, bird the catches the worm. And I could say it. Mm-hmm. I My speech was never slurred. My arms were moving. My legs were moving, but I was extremely dizzy. Every time I went to try to stand, I was dizzy. So I went to the Lourdes Friday night um, it was extremely busy, as it usually is. Yes. They were excellent. They, I was straight in. They gave me something for the sickness because I was still vomiting at this stage. They were sending me for a CT scan and they also did a lumbar puncture that night. Why would they do a lumbar puncture? I'm just I, wondering. I think it was because my headache was so bad. It was so extreme. And... I don't I actually don't remember if I did tell them about the pain in my neck because it just wasn't I wasn't connecting the two at all. So you have your CT scan. It came back clear. The lumbar puncture came back clear. Um, now, I, this was done. They were both done on the Friday night. The Saturday I moved to the medical assessment unit because there's no beds. They were keeping me, but there was no beds. I moved then on the Sunday to another ward and on the Monday I moved up to Guiney, actually, because that's where they, they got a bed for me. 
And again, every day the doctors would come in, we'd go through the symptoms, but the headache had never gone. And you still had this pain in your neck? I still had the pain in my neck, yeah. Which you've had for over three weeks? Yeah, yeah. And still, obviously, the CT scan didn't show anything up. No. So there's no obvious culprit, nothing to blame yet. No. So the the doctor that I was assigned, he was he, he was brilliant and he just, he wasn't happy. I was, was getting myself ready to go home and had convinced myself that it was an extremely bad migraine and vertigo and that I was just maybe doing too much, burnt out, and that's all that it was. And... Then on the Tuesday, they decided that they'd send me for an MRI. I went for the MRI on the Tuesday afternoon and very early on the Wednesday morning, which was in fact my fourth wedding anniversary, the doctors came in to the room, closed the curtains, closed the door. And I thought, oh, they're kicking me out here. They're going to tell me there's nothing wrong with you. It's a headache. And at this stage, I was nearly getting a bit paranoid that I was taking up a hospital bed and I had a headache. And they went through everything again with me. And I remember him just saying the words, we think you've had a stroke. And I I, I was like, what? A stroke? So I'm not going home? And he said, no, you're not going home. And it just was all happened so fast, but yet so slow. So the MRI had shown something up that the CT didn't see. No. And they had realised that they had... Was it a clotter bleed? It was a tear in my vertical artery, which caused a blockage, basically. So the blood wasn't flowing to my brain. But because it was a tear, there was still a little bit of blood flowing. So that's why, thankfully, I have no deficits. So there was reduced pressure. It wasn't a a proper clot. But this was in a very unusual spot for a stroke. It's not a typical stroke you had. It's actually in the back of your head down to your neck. Yes, so that's where it's it's a vertical artery dissection is what caused stroke. Um, And it's actually, it's common. It's known in America as the hairdressing stroke because you know the way ladies put their heads back in the head basin to wash their hair? Or golfers do a big swing and like whiplash, that kind of, uh, that's what it's known as. But it's it's like my GP, when I went back after all of this, she had never heard of it. So how did you react? You're, you're sitting in your bed thinking, well, they found out something or they're going to let me home. And they tell you, you know something, Grandia, we think you've had a stroke. Yes. How did that news sit with you? They they said then when they went back through my notes, they, they saw the, the neck pain they felt then that there was a because of where they could see the the injury on my brain that it was common with a vertical artery dissection so then they want they wanted to do the ct scan with contrast yes this is where they put a dye into your blood and it 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 highlights because the damage has probably been done now yes. something will show up yeah so they needed to co- see the cause now it was spontaneous some people know because They've got their hair done. They've been playing golf. Dr. Lynch also described painters. If you have your neck back in a like looking up at the sky or plumbers, it can it can be common with in that kind of injury. But mine was there was no reason we couldn't find something that had happened. I hadn't had a whiplash injury. I hadn't 
had any injury that I knew of. So it's known as a spontaneous vertical artery dissection. Um, how did your husband react? It must have been a huge worry for him and the family when they found that out. He, I, he was actually in Dublin um, about to go into a meeting and I rang and he thought I was ringing to say, come and pick me up, I'm going home. Um, as I said, it was our fourth wedding anniversary. So it was early enough in the morning and I rang and I don't, I don't know what I said on the phone, but I was extremely upset at this stage. I was crying. I So he said, you know, it's fine. I'll be there as quick as I can. And actually, in, in fact, he, his mum had just rang to say that she was up in the hospital and she was going to come in. But I'd been moved around that many times. She was ringing him to find out where I was. And he rang her back and he said, Get it, go in quick. She's got news and she's very upset. So that day went very quick. Damien arrived with this bunch of flowers that he'd bought me for our wedding anniversary. The stroke doctors had all been in. I had had lots of the tests that you do, your arms, your legs, but everything was working. So you had no physical issues. You, you, You didn't have a numbness or a weakness on any side? No, not that I was aware of. Now, when I came home, when I had the tests in the hospital, because it was my left side that was affected, I am left handed. Now, my right side is probably predominantly stronger, but it's not something that causes me any issues because... They're both as strong nearly as each other from doing the occupational therapy. I've got my left side back as good as I can. Hospital Registrar Dr. Zul Khalil. Gronya, when she came in, had what I, from what I understand, was um, headache, vomiting, um, not necessarily typical of a stroke. She didn't have the paralysis or the facial weakness uh, that you would see in the um, ads. And the reason for that is that Grania had a stroke at the back part of the brain, the posterior part of the brain. So when you have a stroke at the back part of the brain, it doesn't give you the typical um, characteristics that you would see on, you know, that you would have been described on all the ads with regards to paralysis, etc. It would give you things like um, unsteadiness, vomiting, um, dizziness, um, headache. So this is what Gronya um, had. And I suppose in a young lady, you know, who had a headache and vomiting with not necessarily much else in terms of paralysis, you can miss a stroke. And this occurs posterior circulation stroke is what we call it, or a stroke at the back part of the brain. Again, Gronia was a vertebral artery dissection. So it's one of the arteries feeding the blood supply to the back part of the brain. Um, and as a result of this dissection, she developed a stroke. So they've realised now, OK, we're dealing with the stroke. They take the appropriate action. We'll just say that you're, you're, you're in your first week, you're in a hospital. You, do you go to the stroke ward, into I the acute I stroke ward? Well, you're in the right place with Absolutely. the right people, yeah. particularly in the Lourdes in Toronto. Yeah. They really do know what they're at. So the doctors begin to get a, an overall picture of your condition. What kind of feedback were they giving you? It, it was St. Patrick's weekend. So it was the 16th of March that I was told I had had the stroke. So... It was kind of a funny weekend to be in the hospital because it was obviously very quiet. There was a lot of people off. Um, so it, it there was a bit of a delay probably when I, before I got to, to really know what was happening. But I had the heart monitor on for a few days to see had it come from my heart. 
I think that was until I'd had the CT scan to establish, yes, it was a dissection and my heart was fine. Um, so it was just about making sure that I didn't obviously have a second stroke because so it's on that Tuesday or on that Wednesday story, I started on the 325 of aspirin straight away. Right, to to keep your blood thinner. Yes. To stop, yeah, to yeah. reduce that, which because is a, which The is a tear was thing. there, so yes. it had happened once. There was nothing to say. It, it wouldn't have happened. So they never really got to the bottom of it. I had numerous blood tests to see. Was it a genetic disorder of some description? Um, but there was, nothing showed up. Thankfully, it was, thankfully or not thankfully, it was just one of those things that happened. Clinical nurse, specialist in stroke, Fiona Connachton. Gronia was in the hospital for, I think, two or three days before our paths crossed. And what is interesting, Gronia is actually one of the young mams from my own local village, which I didn't I didn't know at the time. And with Gronia, by the time our paths crossed, a lot of her physical symptoms had already resolved. But I suppose with like a lot of um, young women that have had strokes, there's different, I suppose, areas and issues that I have to address. And one of those things is the area of sexuality. And a lot of the questions that young couples or young women ask me, and it's usually going out the door, they tug on my uniform sleeve and say, Fiona, come here a minute, you know, I just need to ask you a quick question. And they'd say, is it all right to have sex after having a stroke? And you kind of, you stop for a second and you go, my God, we never thought to discuss this with them. So I suppose with Gronia and with other young women, it's so important. And I make, and I suppose I make a huge effort to broach the topic. And sometimes even for me, it's not the most comfortable of topics to broach. It is around the area of sex and sexuality after a stroke, that it is okay. Do you know that there's no more higher risk of having a stroke during the whole act than it is walking up two flights of stairs. So you're two weeks in hospital. You are making great progress. They're they're quite happy with how you're, you're getting on. They set a discharge date for you. And they say, look, just before we let you out, we're going to arrange a CT scan just to make sure everything is is OK for you. But things didn't really go according to plan, did they? No, um, it was a little bit later. They, they, with a vertical artery dissection, it heals itself. They don't need to do an operation to help you heal. And usually it's three months to six months post-injury that they do that CT scan. But in the meantime, um, I discovered I was expecting so Fantastic. three months after um, I had come out of hospital, we realised we were having a baby. So I wasn't able to have the, the CT scans. So we just had to go on and Dr. Lynch decided that I physically I was doing very well and that we would wait until after the baby was born to do those scans. So I had the scan in with one thing between Storm Emma and Snow. It was delayed until March actually it was or sorry it was the following year it was 2016 that I or sorry 2018 when I ended up having all these scans and they discovered a thyroid nodule while they were doing which is again a very common thing especially in young women and but because of my medical history decided we weren't going to take any chances and they did a biopsy on the 13th of July last year they found that I had thyroid cancer goodness me yes so you've already gone through the stroke the trauma of all of that yeah 
And now another bombshell has gone off. Another um, massive shock. Um, I actually deal better with things when they happen to me than if they happen to somebody else in the family. If it was Damien, my husband, I would probably have taken it worse. So I had, at this, when they realised that when I got the diagnosis on the 8th of October last year, I had already had half of my thyroid removed. So they then they decided because um, it was quite a big tumour and there was some entry points on the on the veins that they weren't going to take any risks and they removed my full thyroid. So I had the second operation on the 13th of November last year. What 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 fueled you on? What kept I, you going? Um, after the after the stroke, I think I felt I was nearly in denial. I don't actually I I it was as if it didn't happen. I then was pregnant and it was all about the baby. I was feeling extremely tired. But I was putting everything down to being pregnant. Then I had the baby. You've just had a baby. You're tired. And it wasn't until about six months after I had Sadie that with, with the boys, things had got back to normal and they just weren't getting back to normal. And I was feeling down. I spoke to Fiona and um, she mentioned to me that there was counselling now available for uh, stroke survivors, young stroke survivors, which hadn't been there when I had had my stroke back um, almost four years ago now. So I started to see a counsellor and she helped me to accept the new person that I was, that I had had all this medical situations, but there were things that had happened and I had come out the other side of them. Did you have radium treating? I had radi- radioiodine treatment, which is a form of radiation. It's a tablet form, okay. but it's you have to go. You're in St Luke's in Rathgar for one week, literally in what can be described as a cell, because you cannot be in physical contact with anybody while you've had the radiation. So your meals are handed through a hatch in the door while you sit on your bed. I obviously didn't see my family for that week I then got home on the Friday and had to go and stay with my parents for three weeks because I couldn't be around my children goodness me that was a lot to take on yeah and of course during which time it was my eldest boy's little birthday my youngest girl's little birthday and um, my stroke anniversary which kind of (laughs) (laughs) March hasn't been a good month for me let's uh, just skip the last couple of years yes goodness me Um, so you've your your treatment has been successful obviously and you've got can I ask you um, is fatigue an issue for you it has improved it was very difficult and um, I think part it was obviously the post-stroke fatigue but I also think the thyroid was probably having an impact because I do feel a lot better I still I'm not the same as I was four years ago but then I'm four years older I've now three kids so maybe it's a combination of things but I feel since I've had the thyroid removed and I'm now on the correct medication to combat that I do feel in a better place. And have you returned to work? I haven't yet, but I am talking to them at the moment about it, getting it ready. It is an option. You it feel is. strong I enough? Do feel, I, I feel I'd like to try it. When, when did that occur to you that you feel you're on the threshold? Because I did go back five months post-stroke hmm. and it was difficult. I did struggle. And then when my maternity leave was up with Sadie and I looked about going back, I knew I wasn't physically or mentally ready. So um, it's taken till now to get back to a good place that I feel that I'm ready to 
look at going back to work. Well, I think we need purpose too. We need food for our soul. Absolutely. You know, we do need to have um, something occupying our days. But my workplace have been very supportive and it'll be a phased return when I do get back so it'll be what I'm fit for and the last time when I went back they were extremely supportive and throughout the, the, all the illnesses they have been. Well I'm delighted to say that you're here with me now and we're how many months how many years now after your, your stroke? It'll be four years in March. After so your stroke and how long months. after your, your cancer? Well it's not 12 months. Not 12 months yet. So I mean all the, these are fresh these are that this is a massive roller coaster you've been on Grania. Yeah. And I'm sure it has had its toll on on your husband and your family and you know fair play to you for staying strong and and getting through it together. Uh, and what we all want to know is how is Sadie? <laughs> Sadie rules the roost in our house. <laughs> She's two and a half going on 22. As she, they do. And she keeps us all on our toes. Very good. We're delighted to hear that. Um, if there was one piece of advice uh, that you could give to other stroke survivors, um, many of whom will be listening to us now, what would it be? Was there something that helped you along? Belief that it would improve. I had three beautiful children and a husband and a great family behind me. You need to ask for help. I wasn't great at asking for help and I had to learn to accept and to ask for help when I needed it. Why do you it. think that is? Were you a very a, independent a person? Very extremely yeah. independent. Um, and if something had to be done and Damien would sit, I'd just do it myself. I, I That was just the type of person I would be going on zero energy, but I'd keep going. But I, after the stroke, I, I couldn't. Um, I, we had a very an excellent childminder at the time and she stayed on with us. And But it definitely got better. It You know, it, it was a shock. It was a knock. And the counselling helped and talking helped. You know, some people would say you have been lucky. Um, now, I know that sounds ironic. Uh, but while you have suffered a stroke and all that goes with that, and you have... Um, you know, you've had your, your, your brush with cancer. Um, that routine scan that you had before, you know, uh, to double check everything was OK. If it hadn't have been for that scan at that early stage, we may have been having a completely different conversation. Absolutely. And the consultant that I met in uh, Beaumont last October, Dr. Power, said that to me. He said, you may not feel at the moment that it's um, you're lucky because like the funny thing is the odds for thyroid cancer 99% of thyroid nodular are benign so I was quite confident that I was going to be okay but he did say that you know if you were sitting here in five years time we might be having a very different conversation Well it it would be further progressed further down the road And Um, it was Dr Lynch that was as she said herself crossing her T's and dotting her I's just to make sure I think she just wanted me off the books but she (laughs) was just making sure there was absolutely nothing else out there So what now Uh, what plans have you got now for the next 6 to 12 months what would you like to happen Well definitely no more medical situations (laughs) I'm done with hospitals hopefully I've no more checkups which is great first 6 months for my thyroid I've, I've finished with Dr Lynch from the stroke perspective and I want to get back to work get back to the new the new normality of life. Do, do you feel that you, um, you you have a good hold on your fatigue that you could do a week or maybe two days a week maybe uh, uh, for work? Yeah, well I, I suppose until you're in that situ- in in that frame of mind it's hard to say because I do come even a time I'm tired at home and that's from being at home so I hope though if I build it up slowly. I used to do four days maybe that's not going to be possible but even if I could do three 
do half days. Morning time is my best time of the day. I find that the same. Yeah. My left side works so well in the morning. Yes. And then I get high tone and it stops working after lunch. So yeah. I'm actually two people yeah. at, at different stages of a day. So I, I can understand that. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I have to say, I think you've been very brave throughout your journey with stroke and with cancer. So Grania McCann, continued health and success in the future. And thank you so much for joining me on the Strokecast. Thank you, Jerry. Next week, we'll be talking to Siobhan. Fire brigades, ambulance, priests on the side of the road blessing us. And yeah, it was horrendous. And I had the 10-hour surgery the next day to put in all the nails and plates and whatever else they used to rebuild me. And I had a stroke on that night then after the surgery. You know, how am I going to be the mammy I was? How am I going to be the wife I was? How am I going to be the person I was? And what she said to me was, Fiona, I drove here today. She hadn't driven in six years. She went to cognitive rehab, which she didn't think she was deserving of. And she is now driving. She is now living her life. Get in touch on Twitter at Strokecast IRL or on Facebook. The Strokecast is produced and presented by Jerry Stevens. The executive producer is Al Dunn. It's created by Unique Media.